Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Derian, and today I have Rich Khan, the co-founder and CEO of Anura, which is a company that is an expert in finding out security frauds from any digital marketing. Rich, how are you doing, my brother? Awesome. Great to have you. Great to be here today. Thank you. It is phenomenal to have you. And I am really looking forward to diving into this conversation because honestly, this is a part that I don't necessarily know much about when it comes to security, frauds, and all that stuff. And a lot of things that I have questions on. But before diving into all that, I gave a very short introduction of who you are. Can you please unpack that a bit more for us and tell us a bit more of your backstory? Wow. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. Backstory. Uh, started programming, wrote my first game when I was nine years old. Okay. Got published when I was 12, worked my way through college selling. So internet sales became the perfect, you know, gateway for me as, as for my career. Um, got accepted at MIT, couldn't afford to go. So uh, just started my own company when I was young and uh, started my first internet marketing company when in the 93. So been doing it 28 years. And just been every aspect of the internet, just watching it grow and watching it become what it's become. Can't say I'm happy with the monopolies that we're seeing on the internet today, but you know, it is what it is. It's just kind of, I guess, how, how business grows. Uh, it was always about the smaller businesses coming in and just innovating and growing new technologies and stuff like that. But um, just interesting to see how things have, have changed over the, over the last three decades. Rich, I mean, by calling you an OG of the internet, I don't think I'll be mistaken by saying that your first company was in 1993. I was legit four years old. So it gives you an idea that this man knows what he's talking about when it comes to the internet. And we're going to unpack that all. But one thing you highlighted and you alluded to that I really want to unpack is that you got into MIT. Just getting into MIT is a huge, huge, huge thing. And it just shows to your expertise and your knowledge. And you couldn't go because of financial reasons. Here's my question to you. Is that one of the best things that happened to you or one of the worst things that's happened to you? The fact that you couldn't get into because of financial reasons. It's one of those things that, you know, you look back on life and say, I, I look back where I am today and I, I can't complain, right? You know, I've got a lovely wife, great family, you know, have great businesses that I'm running right now beautiful home, cars. I have a great life and I have no complaints and no regrets, but it's one of those, one of the few things that I look back in life and what if, you know, because I got accepted to the, um, they called it back then the electromechanical engineering program. It was actually robotics engineering is what I was going for. And it was the same years that IBM's Watson was created. It was the same years. If you ever see, see ever seen the movie 21? Uh, yeah. The gambling movie. Yep. Yeah, yeah, counting cards. Yeah, 21. Okay, yes, absolutely. That was MIT, same year as I was going to go. <laughs> so are you saying you were it. about to be a movie star? You just missed the boat? Is that what's happening right now? I would have been there. I would have found those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've been all about that. 
<laughs> I love that, Rich. I love that. So, but yeah, so I mean, it, it, you know, who knows? Oops, there goes my mic, right? Who knows how things would have played out? But, you know, it's, I can't complain where I'm at. Like I said, no regrets, but it, you always think what if, you know, how things would have been different. But, you know, like I said, things always work out for a reason. I'm sure. I'm sure there was a divine purpose. And just with everything that we kind of alluded to in the beginning of what you're doing with your companies, and we haven't even unpacked that yet, you are beyond successful. And I'm seeing for the listeners, or if you're not in the viewing aspect of this show right now, behind him, there's a picture of his 25th anniversary with four kids. I mean, if that's not success, I don't know what is. So congratulations with all that aspect, uh, Rich, on that end. And Let's talk about, before going into the business side, because you alluded to a couple of things from the internet, being interested in where it's going, not necessarily happy with the monopoly of uh, how it's controlled by certain companies. Can you unpack that? I'm really interested to know your perception and your understanding of the whole internet world and where it's at right now. I just think, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. You know, the internet was designed when we first got on the internet. When I first got on the internet, it was designed by just a bunch of hackers, a nerds, right? Geeks. You know, we would just got on and we just did our thing. Everything was so, you had to speak a certain language in order to get around the internet. Everything was all tech, right? Mm-hmm. All code. There was no graphical browser. There was none of that point and click stuff. And so people got together and they put the browser together. My first browser, where I think was Netscape 0.93 alpha. It was just a, you know, very crude, rude. And it was just, it was clunky and came out in like 94, if I remember correctly. And it was cool because this was going to allow the average person to connect to this very tech, you know, dominant, you know, you know, world. And it was going to connect the world. It was like, I was just so enthralled with how this was going to actually change the world. And I was like, I was hooked, you know, I was just really enthralled with how this was going to work. And as new technology was coming out, it wasn't, you know, the Amazon or the Google or the Facebook that was bringing out this new technology was the guy in the garage next door. It was the, you know, the 18 year old down the street. It was, you know, some guy around the world that was, you know, 14 years old that was developing some new technology. It wasn't these big conglomerate companies that were throwing tens of millions of dollars at a group of developers that they plucked from around the globe. It wasn't that it wasn't orchestrated like that. It was just some kid or some group of kids that got together with an idea that put this together out of nothing. That's what made the internet special, not what it is today. So I'm a little disappointed in how it's developed and how it's changed because now you have a good idea and you don't have the tens or hundreds of millions of dollars to fund it. You're not seen. And that's, that's what's disappointing with how it's developed. I still love it. Still love it, but it's not how I, how I saw it years ago. That is interesting. That is a very interesting perspective. So essentially, you're saying is that that original entry or barrier to entry with the lingo, with the approach is completely different now, obviously, more consumer based, more money driven, more capitalistic driven, which like we like you mentioned as well, there's nothing wrong with that. But you feel like the essence of what the internet was got lost within that process, essentially? Yeah, and I and I think that's probably the natural course of most things, right? That's kind of what it's I was going like to say next. Yeah, when like, America got started, everything yeah. was like the small shops, and all of a sudden became the big box stores, right? And I guess you know what do you expect? But I I just I guess I really enjoyed it when it was the Wild West, like anything okay. could happen, and it was like you know new technology was popping up all over the place, like left and right, like new ideas were coming up, and you didn't know who was going to bring up that next new idea, you know when when Yahoo popped up and it was two guys out of a trailer park that came up with the idea like, wow, the internet's grown so fast. We need a directory, kind of like a mall. 
let's put a directory together. And then they put the first directory together. So you had a place to go where you can find places, you know, things are just popping out of the end at, at a crazy. And then, then the guys from, you know, decide to, to let's actually make a search engine to crawl the internet. Like these ideas were just popping out of nowhere and they were coming out of just different places. It was just, it was like, you didn't know where to look next. Right. That is, such a, that is such an interesting time. Cause like you said, like the fact that you were in it and uh, through that, the whole process, a lot of people will never go through that, but obviously we'll go through it in different industries. Like, I mean, we could talk about Bitcoin and NFTs and all these stuff that are happening that potentially have some life. In the oh future. my God. And, you know, a lot of people in the beginning thought that internet was a fade, like, and oh, it's not something real. It's not something that's going to be sustainable. And now it kind of rules everything that it rules. So Let's switch that to the conversation of security, because a lot of people use, not a lot of people, everybody almost uses the internet and for accessibility and whatever the case is. Not a lot of people know about the security side of things. And me being one of them, like I run several successful businesses online and all that stuff. And my security, I'm sure is not on par. What would you speak to that? What are some of the tips you can give towards that? And what do you do within your company to help companies be more secure? And how does that look essentially? All right. So we work on, okay. So cybersecurity, obviously everybody knows what cybersecurity is, especially with all the stuff in the news, right? Mm-hmm. So we work on a subset of cybersecurity for the ad. For the most part, we focus on the ad side of ad space, but we do a lot of other stuff where we're identifying real users and fake users connecting with web assets. So you do digital marketing for your stuff? 100%. Yeah. I mean, I have a whole team okay. on my marketing side. Yeah. So you're sitting down? I'm actually standing because I like okay. <laughs> should I be standing right, down? Should I bring down my desk? My standing desk could move. <laughs> You're All kind right. of scaring me here. <laughs> One in every four dollars in marketing is lost to fraud. Huh. So I should be vaporware. sitting down. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so vaporware. Last year, over 60 billion dollars was lost to fraud. Okay, wait, let's unpack so, that. Wait, wait, give me, give me a second. Let me read this. <laughs> so you're saying my team that's running Google ads, YouTube ads, uh, ads to go to the funnels and all that stuff. One out of four of that is getting stolen, fraud, so on and so forth. Yep. Even though it's going through Google or Facebook, which is supposed to be very secure. Is that what we're talking about right now? Right. So you know, every channel is different, right? So you, now, you, now you, I'm just doing it globally, but if you yeah. break it down by channel, so let's go... Tier one search and social is going to be a little on the cleaner side because they have the funds to focus on it, right? So you're still somewhere between five to ten percent fraud. There's still fraud there, wow. and it also depends the sub channels. Like if you're going to be buying Google Display Network, you're going to be buying a lot more fraud, right? If you start focusing on, let's say, programmatic, do you do any programmatic buys? No, I don't even know what that is. What, what is that exactly? You know, um, disp- uh, display banners, you know, stuff like that. Oh, okay, okay. No, no, no. All right, good. Because that's 40 to 50% fraud. Do you do any? Um, <laughs> do you do okay, any good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to answer you at this point. I'm not going to lie, Rich. This is the first time that I feel scared in my own podcast. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> what about, do you do any affiliate programs? Uh, I do have affiliate programs. I think I lean on a lot, but like, you know, from just Amazon on my YouTube channel or whatever the case is. And yeah. Okay. Affiliate programs are probably one of the faster growing marketing channels in 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 on the internet. Um, they've been around for a long time. They're great programs to generate really scalable solutions for marketing companies. Lots of companies are using them for all kinds of things. Um, I just got off the phone with a Fortune 100 company that's investing heavily in it, um, but they know there's a lot of fraud latent in it. Uh, same thing, 40 to 50% fraud that we see on, on average in affiliate programs. 
40 to 50. And this, once again, let's just clarify. We're not talking about, we're putting everything together. If we like talk about Amazon or whatever, these companies have a bit more backing to protect that. What we're talking about is in general, but that's still very concerning. I mean, we're talking about, there's people that are just sitting down in their, in their rooms and they're hackers and they're just stealing money like, like crazy. And they're just living their life like that. Is that what we're talking about right now? They have no clue. And, and what ends up happening is like, I just spoke to a, an ad agency and they were basically, they, they signed up with our service. We ran the service and, and I was, I, I'd looked at the numbers and I'm like, I called the guy up and I'm like, uh, you got 90% fraud. And he's like, yeah, I was kind of expecting that. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Usually when somebody's north of 50%, the sky is falling. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it's that, you know, you know, my clients are complaining. This is how like, I'm like, how are you not like freaking out that, yeah. you know, only 10% of your marketing budget is actually doing something. And, you know, it's, they, they know there's a problem. They, then they come to us and we help them solve the problem. So how do really, you, let's, um, I mean, my, for the people that are just listening, my mouth has been open this whole time he's saying this because I'm just thinking, talking to my marketing director, talking how much we're investing in this and that and whatever. And now you're telling me there's potentially up to five to 50 to X amount percent that of that money just going completely lost and not going towards the marketing side. So how do you approach helping these companies? How do you do that? How does that aspect look like? Well, for the last, actually, probably since the late 90s, I've been fighting fraud because there's, there's since... Since I started working on the internet back in the early '90s, there's two truths to the internet that I uh, that I, I tell everybody. I'm, there's more. I could probably be able to give you a lot more stories and stuff like that. But there's two basic truths that I tell people. One is people don't read; they skim and scan, mm-hmm. right? They skim and scan, and then if they're really interested in the content, come back and read. Um, so keep in mind when you're designing content web pages to keep those skimming points to what you want them to bring them in to do the reading, right? The second thing is if you pay somebody to do something, they're going to find a way to cheat. Okay. I'll give you a, I'll give you a good story. We're all familiar with PayPal, Elon Musk's, you know, yes. brainchild, right? He was part yeah. of that. They were the, I think one of the first people to build the affiliate program, if okay. I'm not mistaken, one of the first, you know, one of the first big ones. Right. And I don't know if, uh, I don't know how old you were at the time, but when they, <laughs> they rolled it out, they had this, this really cool product that said, Hey, if you sign up for PayPal and you refer somebody to PayPal and they just simply sign up, they don't have to do anything. You just have to sign up. We're going to pay you five bucks. That's, that's incisive, especially right? in the beginning. So, yeah. So they, they were just trying to market share. That's all. They were trying to compete with all these different companies. They just need a market share and accounts. They, so once they get accounts and they can start market to, and then that's, that was their, their game plan. Well, some enterprising, I think it was an 18 year old came up with a great idea. Let's Ponzi scheme this. So we said, let's do this. I He built software that layered on top and said, okay, sign up for my software. Then when you sign into the software, it's going to instruct you to sign up for PayPal. And then you're going to go refer somebody. And when they refer and they pay you the $5, you're going to pay this person a dollar, pay this. You're going to PayPal this person a dollar, pay, PayPal this person, all like in a multi-level marketing chain. And he had it all set up and designed. He ended up pulling a million and a half dollars out of the system personally before they caught him. Wow. And they had lost millions of dollars to the scam. Now, he didn't break any laws. He didn't? No. What law did he break? I don't know. I'm kind of surprised. Anybody <laughs> stealing money, I feel like you didn't break any laws. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
He just took advantage of the program that they put out there. So this guy is probably, there's a precedent after this dude. So oh, of course. this dude is just walking around $1 million more in his pocket in the early 2000s, I'm guessing, when we're talking about PayPal. This yeah. is just chilling in life. 18 years old. That's yeah. pretty chilling. Well, let's fast forward. Let's look at 2015. Because today, 2021, there are still no laws on the books for ad fraud. So I can go to Google, if I know what I'm doing, steal your advertising dollars and not go to jail for it. At least okay. not for ad fraud. So in 2000, I think it was 2015 or 16, there was a guy, I believe, and, and I may have some of these, these details skewed because I'm getting older and my brain's not 100% here. But anyway, the general concept is, concept is right, right? In 2015, 16, he stole something like $35 million through click fraud. So he's, he generated some click fraud programs and he's out of Chicago. So this is not some overseas, you know, you know, uh, which McCall group of people that are doing this. This is a, a, a guy, I think he was 35 years old, out of Chicago, so here in the US, and stole $35 million through click fraud, got in trouble. And I think the most they can get him for was, I think, wire fraud or something. He got a $100,000 fine and 90 days in jail. And he kept the money? And he kept the money. <laughs> Come on. So now, hang on. Now, again, I, I'm a good guy, so I couldn't do that because I got to sleep at night. But if your moral compass doesn't point 100% north, you know, and you're, you're a criminal kind of guy, I mean, I guess crime does pay. How, oh, my God. Okay, wait a minute. Let's just, let me just clarify. Crime doesn't pay people. <laughs> <laughs> let me just clarify here because I'm sure these people, even though they have this thing, I believe in karma, something's going to happen. If like, I, I don't know, that's not the way to go about things. I do agree with that. And right. I'm sure that now, because just the world is so much more online and there's more things, hopefully the governments, the, the companies, the businesses in this world are more aware of that and putting different processes in place and protecting these situations more. But yet again, you did mention that most of the ads that we're spending right now are getting stolen with frauds right now. So Rich, going back to the previous question, how do you help your clients sure. if they come up to you to stop this issue? So it depends on, and it's a variety of things. So basically at the end of the day, this advanced software that we've been building for the last 16 years, studying trillions of transactions and heuristics and all kinds of stuff that we do at the end of the day, what our software really does, it, the best way to describe it, it kind of looks through the screen of the, the device and says, who's behind the keyboard? Is it a bot, malware, human fraud, or a real person? And it can identify that with a greater than 99.999% accuracy. Okay. That's, that's what it does. So now armed with that information, we can integrate in pretty much any atmosphere, any, any environment that somebody's using, whether it's an app, it's a mobile, it's a mobile site, it's a regular website, Google, Yahoo. I mean, I'm sorry, Google, Facebook, Instagram, um, if they're an affiliate program, programmatic, doesn't matter what DSP they're using, uh, pretty much anything that they're doing, Shopify, uh, pretty much anything that they're doing, we have a way to somehow get our, our, our software installed or monitoring what they're doing. And then we have this complete analytics package that will give them all the information that's going on so they can optimize their campaigns and in many cases, our software is well, our software is real time. In many cases, we can actually mitigate the fraud in real time for them, so it doesn't uh, hurt them. For example, um, 
right before the pandemic, we had a client that was booking 30,000 airline tickets per day on their e-commerce platform. Now they're not doing that now with you know travel and all, but prior to the pandemic, it was 30,000 airline tickets a day. And they were booking, uh, they were watching their merchant account chargeback ratio climbing. Mm-hmm. And their which call it uh, merchant basically said, if you don't get the the chargeback ratios in check before it breaks a certain percentage, we're going to end up pulling your merchant account, which means you can't do business on the internet anymore, which basically kills their business. Yeah, and I don't know if you have a calculator handy, but thirty thousand airline tickets a day is a pretty decent sized business. I mean, I'm 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 pretty much guessing it's probably those Fortune hundred companies that you mentioned previously, because nobody's moving that kind of stuff without having a solid organization. So yeah, I'm guessing it's a very it's lucrative big. business going forward. Yeah. So they came to what they were using one of our competitors. The problem was the false positive ratio was too high. Their accuracy wasn't there. They couldn't use them. So they came to us to run some tests and make sure everything was working right. And we were able to identify enough fraud accurately to eliminate that and prevent them from losing their merchant account. So essentially what happened is somebody comes to the credit card page. We can tell that it wasn't the actual user about to charge the credit card. And they would actually not process the credit card knowing that it was not a real user. So we can do that in real time and prevent them from charging a bogus credit card. Okay. So what I and understand- then, and In sorry, addition to that, we, we our data goes behind the scenes and finds out where did they buy that traffic from, summarizes that data, and now they can go back and make adjustments to stop paying for that traffic moving forward. That makes sense. Okay. So what I understand is that you have all obviously a system in place, a process in place that is able, like you previously mentioned, like 99 point whatever percent to identify what type of transaction is this an actual person? Is this a fraud? Is this, this, that, and the other? And then from what there to stop it. So these big companies that are working online, like you gave this example of X company that's uh, selling uh, airline tickets and all that online has these things blocking it. So you're the one that's kind of monitoring that. So that's essentially the whole business structure, business model of your company. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, cool. Awesome. So that that makes sense. Now, what would you speak to? Is there any tricks, methodologies, or anything to understand for a standard consumer when they're going and running ads on anything X, Y, and Z to do things differently or certain things to avoid, certain companies to avoid, certain platforms to avoid, certain socials to avoid, uh, to really maximize as much as possible their marketing dollar? So what I would typically recommend, um, most of the clients that we work with are going to be enterprise class solutions just because pricing, the way our pricing model works. So we're not, you know, we're not normally the company that works with, you know, the smaller, smaller to medium sized companies, just based on, on the type of service and everything that we offer. So for the smaller, the other companies, what I highly recommend them work with is look at the data, right? Mm-hmm. Start focusing on your data. And, and, and there's a lot of work behind it. Like I said, that's, that's kind of why companies hire us because we take a lot of work off their shoulders. But when you don't have the money to spend on a solution like us, then you got to spend the time, right? It's either time or money. Either mm-hmm. way, you're just trading time for money. So in other words, when you start bringing in data, whether it's um, when you're running a campaign, there's some kind of end game, right? You're trying to generate a lead. You're trying to generate a subscriber. You're trying to generate a new player. You're trying to generate some type of monitorable action, right? Mm-hmm. So when you do that, you have to have some way to validate that monetizable action, whether it's human verified. It's probably the single best way to do it, right? And I'll give you a perfect example. I had a client that was I was working with. 
they actually had a lead come through the system. We, uh, we said it was a bad lead. They said, we just sold the client. So how could it possibly be a bad lead? We came back and gave them definitive results of why it was bad. They went back and reconfirmed <coughs> with the lead and confirmed, even though they closed it, it wasn't a real lead. It turned okay. out it was, it was, it was called aged data. It was, it was a lead, but it wasn't a lead that was filled out that day. It was filled out three months ago. Somebody sold them old data that just happened. They got lucky and closed it, but it was old data that was worth like pennies, not worth 20 bucks, you know? So <laughs> by human verifying it, they were able to verify that this was not a real lead. They, that's how they got the data. So each type of action, whether it's a, a player, a subscriber, a lead, credit card, you know, submitted through your system, you have to verify this stuff. And, and talking about that client that was booking tickets, we identified a client that was fraudulent. He called me up and said, I think I found a false positive. This guy flew to tickets. Three months later, the guy charged, charged back, found out it was a bogus transaction. The fraudster actually flew the damn ticket. That's oh, how actually- brazen they were. <laughs> wow. I've never seen that. I've seen porch pirates where they'll, they'll order, order stuff, have it sent to somebody's house and then show up, you know, when they know they're not home and steal the stuff off their, off the front porch, you know, porch pirates. I've seen that happen, Okay, but to fly a ticket on an FAA flight, I've never seen that. Well, now I have. So, um, but again, what you want to do going back to the answer question is to, to find out how you can validate your results. Then as you validate the good stuff and the bad stuff, Start summarizing where the bad stuff is coming from and bring it back to, let's say, if you're buying Google, bring it back to a campaign, bring it back to keywords and start isolating where the majority of the stuff is coming from and start optimizing your campaigns away from the, where the bad stuff is coming from. It's time consuming, but again, if it can save you 5, 10, 15, 20% of your budget, it really starts to add up. Yeah, and really starts to improve your campaign. So if you're able to start optimizing around that and you have to look at data over much longer periods of time than people think. Sometimes, you know, I know with credit cards, it could take three, six, nine months to get all of your data in from, from stuff that happens this month. But you've got to look at that data over time and relate it back to the same month so that you can actually sit back and optimize the campaign based on the data that you're finding. So you really want to optimize around full results. And in some cases, that's just it's a lot of time. Like if you have to call every single lead, every single credit card transaction to confirm, yes, I placed this order, you know, this time and, 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 and a resource to that. Somebody has to pick up and make a phone call and reach wow. that person. Okay. So this is definitely eye-opener for me. So just allude to what you just mentioned. Obviously, your company does B2B significant uh, uh, transactions and so on. But for the consumer, like you said, the best ways to really analyze where are your leads coming from? the keywords, which ones are the ones that are getting the most like response and the ones that are lower are probably potentially getting hacked. Cause we don't know just by looking at this, we're just going through data. The ones that are paying back solid leads, that's the ones we should invest on a bit more. What I understand. Is that correct, Rich? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So my brother, like I said, you just blew my mind. Cause this is something I did not know, but I did not know how much I did not know about this. And I feel like I'm going to unpack it a bit more and start reading some articles. And if you have anything to share my way, please do, because yeah, I'm going to send it to my team as well, my marketing director, and be like, hey, what's happening here? Are we losing some money that we didn't know about? Now, all that being said, Rich, this show is called the Peak Performance Greatness Show. And I know that you're a successful man with everything you're saying, just from the ins and outs of everything you mentioned. 
And how do you show up to be high performing every single day? What are some of the rituals, the methodologies, the habits you use on a daily basis to show up for your clients, for your family, for your business, for your employees, and so on and so forth that you use? Wow. Uh, Coffee. <laughs> all right, caffeine man. Let's go. What, first of all, where you at? Which which part of the world are you from right now? I'm in Delaware. Delaware. Okay, Delaware. So De- are you south of New time? Jersey. Yep, Eastern Jersey, time. Eastern time. Okay, cool. So we're three three thirty p.m. right now. He has a coffee. That's cool. We're still good. <laughs> so he's enjoying it. All right, cool. So you're somebody that has that structure. But do you wake up at a certain time? Do you do certain tasks? Yeah. Certain like how's your business structure? Yeah. How do you yep. show up for that every day? So pretty much get up at six o'clock every morning, get a chance to just, you know, throw the news on just to kind of wake up and and just hear what's going on around the world, just to get a a tidbit of what's going on. Not that I really enjoy watching the news, but you got to know it's a little bit of what's going around. That Mm -hmm. gives me a chance to just get the body going and get started, you know, jump in the shower, get ready for work, um, take the dog to daycare. And me and my wife run the company together. So, you know, while I'm doing all that, she's getting ready as well, jump in the car head to the office, start off with, um, we just got a new coffee machine for the office. It was, uh, we, we had a goal for our, our developers. If we can get rid of a certain service, which was costing us a lot of money, we can upgrade to the, I call it the Keurig 2000. They call it uh, Fiero is the new name of the coffee maker. And I'll show you a quick, uh, quick sample of what it looks like. If I can bring up a picture. Please do, because we're going to geek out about coffee for a second here. Oh, there! Oh, look at that smile too. He's showing a picture of his Keurig machine. Oh my God, I feel like you love so it. So it's like 60 different flavors with a touchscreen, push of the button and it just puts out the coffee. And, and I think everybody here is on a caffeine high. So we've had it for a couple of weeks now. So, but normally we would stop off at Dunkin' Donuts, get our coffee, get 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 to the office. First thing I do is run through all the emails and get, get things, you know, just check what's going on. And usually I, I check most of my emails in the morning while the news is running in the background, just to see if anything happened overnight. And then a 15 uh, sales meeting, just uh, run around the room, see with the big wins from the salespeople, see what's going on with the sales team, jump into my first group of meetings. And between meetings, I'm just checking all emails and getting caught up on emails and, and tickets, um, run into the uh, development team, see what's going on over there, run to support, run to sales, and then it's meetings all day. And, and I'm a morning person. So once I get going, which 15, 20 minutes, I'm up. And once I hit the shower, I'm good to go. Nice. Um, my esteem starts running out at night around eight o'clock at night. So I like to wind down at the, at the end of the day, um, doing a last pass of emails and just getting caught up on a couple of projects just to make sure I'm, I'm good for the night so that, you know, systems are good. Everybody's running, everybody's smooth. Nobody's waiting on any projects or anything is, is happening. And then come around nine o'clock, I'll, I'll pick, you know, maybe I'm watching a Netflix series or I'll pick something that I'm just watching just because for me, my mind doesn't stop, you know, like any entrepreneur, you got excited about what's going on for the day. Like yesterday, I pitched two fortune 100 companies, big companies. We've got a good shot at getting into both and you know, you're pumped. You just, yeah, mind's going constantly. So the only way I found over time to shut my brain down is to watch TV and totally just disconnect and, and connect with the show and a couple of characters. And so I'll watch whatever, you know, whatever series I'm watching and just watch that for a half an hour, an hour, just to, just to wind down and go to bed. And I'm usually in bed by like 10 o'clock at night, getting okay. ready for bed and, and going to sleep. So I get it, try to get that six to eight hours of sleep and I'm good okay, to go. So 
that makes sense. You have your structure, you have your cadence from meeting your team, going to them, having a moment to disconnect and all that. And before going into some of the, the latter end of stuff that you mentioned, what I understand, obviously you have a team and you're running them quite well. What is one strategy that you would give for anybody that's starting a team? And like when it comes to management, when it comes to delegation, certain things that you've learned over time, like if there's top three things that you would say to anybody that's starting a team, such as yourself, what would you speak to that? Get structure. (laughs) Because I mean, for I've run businesses on and off and they've always been smaller teams uh, and smaller teams. I'm saying somewhere between 20 and 50, 50 uh, people in the company at a time. And most of the time I've been just kind of winging it. And that, that typically worked well for me. Um, but recently we got into um, uh, a management structure called EOS. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I, no, I'm not. It's, just, it's a- uh, There's a book on it called Traction. Okay. Uh, that a lot of people have read, a lot of business people read a book called Traction, and it's it's the foundation of it's called EOS, which is the Entrepreneur's Operating System. Okay, and well, it's a it. set of it's a set of tools designed to help you optimize and run your business effectively. And I got to be honest, it's it's really helped us out with this because this new business here, this is my fifth fifth multi million dollar web property that I bootstrapped uh, on the internet, and this one has really got a lot going on. There's a lot of content that's got to be written, a lot of tech that's got to be worked on. Sales is a different animal than anything I've done before. So it's this really got us pulled in a lot of different directions. And this 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 system really has our weekly meetings down to a science. It really has you know what you know the to do list down to a science. It really has our quarterly goals written properly. It really has added a lot of structure where we never had it before. Mm-hmm. And you know so whether it's and I'm not pushing them as a solution to it. And again, it's, it's, it's an expense, you know, like we actually went and hired what they call an implementer to help us structure and put it together. But when you're first starting, you don't have the money for that. So there's a book you can get, it's, you know, a 10 bucks or something like that called traction, but there's a lot of other management systems out there. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, when you're putting your, putting your business together, one, one strong piece of advice is get some structure. Mm-hmm. You know, to I've always done it for years without structure. I think I would have been so much more successful if I had some structure in place. And I was just, you know, as the Italians say, gabados, you know, thick headed. And just we Gabados. just go out, just go out and just did it, you know. And because I was always running around and, and I had things structured in my head, how I wanted things done. And I was able to manage different teams that way. Just that's how I thought. And I didn't didn't think about the structure of it. And now, of course, hindsight, seeing how it works with structure versus not having structure, you know, I'm not the one, I don't have to be the one man ring show, like where I'm running around controlling everything. I could have individual teams off doing things. I'm like, wow, wow, this should have been the case the whole time. But I love hindsight's always 2020. It always is right. You connect the dots looking backwards, like Steve Jobs said. So, I mean, I love that. Thank you for mentioning the book traction and essentially it's systemizing your business. And there's so many tools out there, like you said, that can help entrepreneurs from CRMs, from sales pipes and whatever the case is. And as you put these things and processes in place within your business, like you said, you're not going to be running around and managing what you could be doing is playing the role of the entrepreneur and visionary and looking at what you need to do to grow your business. So I love that ideology. And one last question before we kind of get into the back end of the, uh, the podcast here. You did mention like some shows. I really want to know what are some of the shows that you're watching right now on Netflix that disconnect you, that kind of meet your happy places or certain things that you kind of would like to mention over there? Uh, let's see. I just finished up Manifest, which was really good. Okay. 
Um, what's the one I just finished up also? Uh, oh, wow. Man, you're getting old. The brain starts to go. No, dude. no um, worries. Or what are some of your favorites in that case? Like a top that like could be good for like, yo, just to disconnect or for entrepreneurs or anything. You know, along you know which was, you know, I just saw one that I thought, which I, I, I enjoyed. It wasn't like great, but it was like, it was one of those peaceful ones that I just enjoyed, which was um, Schitt's Creek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. My Canadian people. I love that. Eugene Levy. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. It was, you know, the rich people lost all their money and they slowly built back up and they built their family unit together, which didn't exist before. It was just, it was, I enjoyed it. It was kind of cool. Um, uh, Lucifer, I just finished up uh, season five. I, I so they got that. season six coming out. It's um, all about the devil coming to earth and now oh, he I becomes. Yeah, I won't get into it in case any of your listeners are watching. Yeah, no spoiler alerts here. I don't know if people watch a lot of Netflix, but <laughs> still interesting to, to speak about. But I, I like to I like to just, you know, I, I'll watch. I'm more into the sci-fi and, and action and stuff like that. I'm not too much into the dramas and stuff like that. I really like stuff that have to do with um, real life stuff like, you know, Flash of Genius, uh, mm-hmm. you know, The Founder, you know, how McDonald's got stolen yes. from McDonald Brothers, you know, anything that has to do with real life, you know entrepreneurs I, I i totally enjoy even if they're a little on the boring side i just love to see how their story evolved and yes the, the struggles they went through so pretty much i'll flip on almost anything um even if i've seen it a thousand times i'll just i just enjoy watching it I, last night i was watching the cinderella man you know just about the boxer you know mm-hmm. i just found that a very interesting story you know going through you know the great great depression and how things were back then and just you know how we struggled to get out of that situation i just I enjoy that kind of stuff. I love that, Rich, because you kind of mentioned a couple of the stories or the the movies you watch over there from like, like you said, Founder, which is a story of Ray Croft and uh, how he grew uh, um, McDonald's and so on and so forth, Cinderella Man and all that. There's a lot of correlations that people could do by watching these things, not only relaxing, but seeing that, hey, this is a journey. Even like Ray Kroc popped off at 52 years old. And before that, that was just failure, failure, failure. So if you watch that, it could inspire you as an entrepreneur and understand. And not only that, you understand certain cadences that, hey, maybe I should do things like that within my entrepreneur journey. So I love that aspect that you kind of mentioned that. And Rich, I just want to say thank you very much for being on the show today, you definitely taught me a lot of things about security that I had no ideas about. So before kind of ending it off over here, what is the best way to reach you if anybody has uh, any questions or would like your services? What's the best way uh, to contact you essentially? Probably the best way to reach me is uh, rich at anora.io. Or if you want a lot of information about the topic uh, without even having to talk to me, just anora.io. We publish a blog every week on the subject. We've got a bunch of eBooks on, on the site. Um, case studies and stuff like that. If you want to look at, you know, what some of the clients are doing, but the eBooks on the site are just very, very rich in detail and information and the blogs publish every week, like, you know, talk about everything from like CAPTCHA and uh, all kinds of different types of fraud attacks that are coming out. So if you're just interested in just learning about the subjects and seeing what's out there, we probably got about 150, 200 blogs already published over the last year and a half. So it's a lot of information out there. And feel free to just pop on and just 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 learn. I love that. And everything you mentioned will be in the description show notes. So we'll be able to access that. And my me personally, I'm definitely going to go check that out, read a couple of the blogs to see what I need to learn and be more aware of because I knew that those things are out there, but did not know how much. I don't know, like I didn't spend any uh 
cognitive pressure on it. But now I'm definitely, I'm going to be more aware of like, Hey, what's the proper way to do it? You're doing this huge smile. Cause you scared me when you said, Hey, sit down. I'm like, Hey, what's happening. So definitely, uh, definitely something I'm going to check. So Rich, once again, thank you very much for being on the show, sharing, sharing your time, sharing your knowledge, brother. And it was a true pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time. All right. Anytime. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.